Welcome to another episode of the Two Brothers, One Dad Dead podcast. Today we're going to talk about parenting according to Crazy Bill. He had some kind of interesting theories on parenting, uh, and his practices were probably not legal by today's standards. Do you think that's right, J-Bear? Putting it mildly, yeah. And you know, it occurred to me that one piece of context that we've we've or you know we've talked around it, but we've never just laid out the fact that you know our parents divorced when I was four. So that was nineteen seventy six. Mom got custody, and we had spent we'd lived. I think we spent one summer with him. I think in seventy eight or seventy nine. Do you remember that? Only if not, vaguely. It's fine. Only, I have only one memory of that. Yeah. So we spent one summer in 79, for some reason, I don't know. And then I spent, I believe, the first or the second half of second grade. So that was like 82, 81, 82. But but we didn't officially live with him full time all the time until late 1986. So... And 87 for me. And 80, that's right. Because I moved out there first and then you moved out there a year later. And, you know, it was different when we were just visiting him for, you know, even a couple months or six months, you know, living with him temporarily because our grandmother, his mom was around. But when his mom wasn't around, I mean, I I think it's fair to say that's when the wheels kind of came off or the, how how do you describe it? Yeah, no, for sure. I think she kind of like at least tried to have some sort of moderating influence on him and tried to like steer him in the right direction. Although even then, like there were a couple things that I remember them getting in arguments about over I, parenting me. I don't know if you remember anything for you. Uh, no, what did you, and then after that, I want to talk about Disneyland because that kind of mm-hmm. like showed the contrast, but what, what did they get in an argument about parenting over you? <laughs> well, one of them was um, dad never wanted to take me to the dentist. And I remember grandma was thought that was really important and basically like made him take me and I think she even took me herself one time okay. so that that was one thing and then that back other, in, was that back in 82 that was back in 82 yeah okay that was one thing and then the other thing is a little graphic I guess but um she wanted him to <laughs> she wanted him to kind of like examine my stool every once in a while and there, he got really upset about that Okay. <laughs> examine your were you were you eating rocks or something? Like examine your stool for what? I don't know. I I definitely remember though, um her wanting to check it. Maybe she had a reason, you know, like she's not here anymore to ask her, but maybe she saw something one day or I don't know, but he's like, Billy, you should, you know, check on it every once in a while. And I don't know if you remember also around this time, she was on a big push to get us both to drink prune juice. I don't know if that was something related. I know being regular was like a really big deal with her. I do remember in 78, like, you know, did you go number two yet today? It was like a real big deal with her. Um, and, you know, I think it's important that listeners 
understand that she was not a doctor or some kind of like, you know, gut health specialist, but she had co-owned a restaurant or had been a waitress most of her life. So I don't know where her obsession with regularity <laughs> comes in. I don't know. Or Jay Bear's stool. But so what I wanted to talk about as far as like the the wheels coming off the bus was the time in 82, I think it was, that dad and Aunt Julie took us to Disneyland. Why grandma came, I don't know. But so we were living with dad and grandma. Julie and dad thought, it, you know, our Aunt Julie and our dad, I guess, wanted to take us to Disneyland. Uh, we drove over, you know, it was like, I don't know. 10 hour drive or something everything was going pretty well until well so we we showed up checked into like a holiday inn or a marriott it wasn't like a flea bag motel but it wasn't like a top-end hotel but i mean it was nice enough they had cable in the room dad said for some so julie went down to have a drink at the bar then dad said hey guys i'll be back in like half an hour you guys are going to fall asleep soon anyways. I'll be back in half an hour. And then you and I watched more, and we had already had dinner. We'd already eaten, already taken a bath, all that good stuff. And we were watching Mork and Mindy. Do you remember You remember that? I don't remember that we were watching Mork and Mindy, no. So what's then, then what do you remember? As far, so we go to sleep. You, you passed out mm -hmm. before me. And, and then what happened? What do you remember? The next thing I remember is... We were being escorted to like the juvenile part of the police station, not like juvenile hall, but like, and I didn't know this, but this police station had like almost like a waiting area for little kids, right? With like toys and stuff. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I remember it uh, probably a little more clearly. You were probably just, cause you were, let's see. So I was like, what, 10? So you were maybe seven, seven. or eight. No, I was seven. So I remember we fell asleep and the next thing I know, I wake up and there's two police officers in our room and the hotel manager and the cops informed us as nicely as they could that our dad had gotten arrested. So then they needed to take us somewhere. And then I remember going to the police station at like two or three in the morning. I think they let you play and they tried to talk to me and like, OK, mm. what were you here for? Like, oh, we're, we were going to Disneyland. And then he's like, oh, does your dad have custody of you? And I was like, well, my mommy knows we're here, blah, blah, blah. And then this other cop, while well, the one cop was doing the questioning, I think that a lady cop talking to me, just trying to figure out what was going on. And this other cop was walked in. And, and to this day, I wonder if it was a joke. He said, oh, are these the two that you got for uh, Grand Theft Auto? And she's like, no. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. Yeah, and at the time, it, I was, like, so scared. I was like, what if we get mixed up with some hoodlum, you know, whatever. <laughs> then eventually, like, when, probably when they opened, so we were sitting there in the police station a long time, and then when they, then they took us to this, like, shelter for kids, uh, which was actually kind of super fun. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like, super fun. it was like a big playground type thing. And but indoors. Kids, but indoors, yeah, and kids had their own little cots and stuff, and I just didn't know what the heck was going on. And I remember there was this one girl, I said, oh, my daddy got arrested, but he'll probably pick me up today or something like that. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that's what they all say on their first day. And I was like, oh, man. And I was kind of, but I mean, you know, to the resilience of little kids, I was kind of, you know, by the end of the day, I was kind of like, I could see myself here for a while. <laughs> 
I remember we got to drink Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. There was like a indoor pool table. There was a foos. There was like not a foosball, but one of those like balls that hang from a like a big stick in the ground, and you hit it one way, and then somebody else tries to hit it another. Right. Oh, um, dude, I have nothing but fond memories of that place. Yeah, I mean, my at first I was a little freaked out because I was like convinced that Dad was going to come get us right away. Mm-hmm. and that little girl's like yeah that's what they all say and i was like how long have you been here she's like oh two weeks and i'm like oh okay <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> she she's well, like there's she's like there's two ways to do this little josh there's the hard way and the easy way <laughs> <laughs> you can be my husband and i'll t- yeah. protect you or <laughs> um and I, and and as the day wore on, I was I kept thinking like maybe she's right, like maybe we're gonna spend a while here. But then as I was playing that little ball, like hit the ball on the string game on the rope game, Dad showed up and he like sprung us. Yeah. Do you remember? Kinda, yeah. Your memories on that are probably the only thing I remember for sure is like that little um shelter thing. Yeah. And then we went back to a hotel. I don't know if it was that hotel. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I remember this kind of bummed me out. He's like, well, because we missed our tickets to Disneyland, because basically the day we were in the shelter is the day we should have been to Disneyland, uh-huh. uh, that we have to go to Knott's Berry Farm tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's better than nothing. But I mean, Disneyland was a big thing in my mind, like with most kids. So, but, but we went to Knott's Berry Farm and I did my first upside down roller coaster and I was so super proud of myself that like basically the, the, you know, every, I was, I think we all left satisfied. Um, are you, yeah, no, I remember going to Knott's Berry Farm. Are you sure we didn't go to Disneyland? I am positive because I did not go to Disneyland until I was 13. Just cause I remember riding the Dumbo ride, the little elephant thing. And I was so excited cause I really liked Dumbo, but maybe it was just like a knockoff. Yeah, I think it was the cat. Probably Knott's Berry Farm is where all the like old Disneyland, you know, they sell all their old rides. Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> okay. And then I do remember that Dad said something like, "Oh yeah, we probably don't have to tell your grandma about this." Do you remember that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. All this time, I had just assumed she'd known. Yeah, I mean, I would. I can't imagine how she didn't, but maybe, maybe she knew. But he's like, no need to like bring it up or talk more about it. And then the reason was, so he kind of gave me a little, he, like the older I got, the, the more I would kind of come back and like, okay, so what happened that night really? Mm-hmm. And at first he told me, like when I was a little kid, he told me like, oh, the cops were trying to hurt uh, Aunt Julie and I stuck up for them, for her, and they didn't like it. And then it was eventually kind of the fullest story I got was that Julie was dating some kind of organized crime figure in Los Angeles she they were he was she was down in the bar with him dad came down to say hi her organized friend her organized crime friend <laughs> her organized crime gentleman friend you know went on his merry way probably i don't know i don't know what he Wag was going somebody. to do <laughs> yeah he's going <laughs> yeah put put some fit somebody for some concrete shoes or whatever mm-hmm. and dad said that the cops followed julie like some undercover cops followed julie and uh him into the elevator and then one of the cops was like oh what do you have in your purse there and grabbed at her purse and he's like hey wait is she are we under arrest like you know he was just trying mm-hmm. to 
not get all like I'm a sovereign citizen on them, but just like, um, are we under arrest? If so, she doesn't have to tell you anything. And yeah, and I guess there was either a scuffle or I mean, that's as full of picture of as I got. And dad said that, yeah, you know, once we got the lawyers involved, it was clear that it was just pre police harassment. But they were they were basically harassing Julie like on purpose. And then I was just kind of there. So that's did you ever ask him about what happened? Because that's that's the fullest story I got. And I still don't know how much of that is truth or what. You know, I kind of remember asking him. I don't really remember exactly what he said. Yeah. Just because it was a long time ago that I asked him. So what do you think our what do you think dad's philosophy on parenting was besides don't tell grandma? Like wh- how would you describe him as a parent? If it feels good, do it. Really? Kind of, yeah, like total. I mean, and he admitted later at least that he was like very much a free-range parent and he sort of apologized for that. And you know what else is funny speaking of later, I remember after I grew up, he's like, "Yeah, son, you know, I tried to do the best I could, but you know, they don't write manuals for this kind of stuff. And, you know, when you boys moved out, you were already 13 and I was, what, 35, 36. And, you know, I was just doing my best. And the funny thing is, is when I, when I became a parent, I realized that there's like tens, if not hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of manuals about how to raise your kids. And, right. <laughs> and at first I was like, wait, is this just a recent phenomena? And I looked and like, no, there's like Dr. Spock in the 60s and 70s. Oh, totally. And, I yeah, mean, dude, there, there were whole bookshelves. Tons of books. Like even at the library, there's whole bookshelves, and so, yeah. so his whole thing about there not being a manual. I actually called him on that once. I was like, you know, Dad, you'd said that there wasn't a manual for child raising once. He's like, yes, son, I did. It's true. I I tried my best, and I was like, well, you know what's funny? Now that I'm a parent, and I actually looked this up, there's been like <laughs> thousands upon tens of thousands of parenting books. He's like, well, son, it things were different back then. And things were oh different back then. So t- tell some story first. Tell some stories that maybe show the good side of his parenting. How about the time you came home like tripping a little bit, which some people might not think that's the good side, but but I think it was in a lot of ways. And I'll I'll let you talk. Yeah, about no, it. no, very much. Um, so I was still living at home. I was in college at the time, and I worked part time at a computer lab. And, um, yeah, kind of somehow at work. Well, not okay. It was pretty deliberate actually, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I got this buddy that I worked with to hook me up with some acid because I'd always been wanting to try it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, he sold me a a hit for five bucks and I, I took it in the office and he's like, you know, just be careful. You should be okay. But, and I was kind of starting to peak by the time I got home. And he could tell, like, something was wrong. Or not wrong, but just that I was, like, acting different. And he's like, son, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And, you know, a little bit of time went on. He's like, really? Like, you're not acting yourself. I was like, okay, Dad. I kind of um, may have took some acid at work. And <laughs> he was really surprised because he thought I was straight edge at the time. Mm-hmm. And so did I, actually. Just kind of. I don't know, just kind of on a whim is why I took the acid. Right. And he was like, oh, okay. And he said it in this way that you probably know what I mean, like very like, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he's like, that's okay, son. And he just kind of like 
I wasn't like having a bad trip or anything, but he just kind of like was cool and understanding. And then later he played some Hendrix. He's like, yeah, this is what we used to do in my day. And like was making like shit around the room move all trippy and kind of like cracking me up and stuff. It was fun. And wasn't he making some scissors walk? Yeah, he was making some scissors like walk on the ground with his hands and that just like. Blew your mind, huh? Dude, yeah. Yeah. So so he hung out with me for a couple more hours until he went to bed. But like right before he went to bed, he's like, okay, it's cool that you did acid, but just wake up for work on time. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so no, no, it was it was very accepting and you know, he was like that a lot. Um You know, just kind of I I don't know about you, but I always kind of felt like he took us as we were. I was going to say that very thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of met you where you were at. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but yeah. And no, and just you know, I don't know about other particular instances, you know, I think though that apart from accepting us as we were I think he was, um, you know, there were a lot of times I remember, and not about anything specific, but just where he would tell me, like, that I needed to express my emotions to people and things like that. And sort of, like, later in life, I appreciated that, like, him, like, trying to be emotive or try to get me to be emotive and expressive. Yeah. And then, when so when I first moved out there, and and I think also... You know, in fairness, I mean, trust me, I have my criticisms, but in fairness, like, I kind of dropped into his lap, you know, and I was super grateful that he said I could live with him because Mm -hmm. I know that there's some dads who their sons or daughters express an interest in living with them. And they're kind of living the bachelor life like dad Mm -hmm. was like he Mm -hmm. was totally living the bachelor life, just, you know, working and had, you know, just you know, kind of a string of girlfriends and was out, you know, going eating and, you know, whatever, just doing stuff. Uh, it did seem like he mellowed with time, but like that first year, so I'm going to tell you a story and I don't think I've ever told you this story. And I'm just curious if you have anything similar because dad really was a wild, when I first moved out there, man, he was a wild man. He was, no, I believe he was, yeah. So we were still living with grandma. Her grandma was still there. She hadn't moved out in anger yet. And dad was like, let's, you know, let's go to Mexico. I think it was for thanksgiving day weekend or something i was like okay cool so i mean dude this trip was so fun so we got i remember i wa- i left school early and i had permission because we were gonna leave and like try to beat friday rush hour traffic or whatever i walked out of school i walked past these two guys and then they started like saying stuff to me and one of them was bigger than me and I was like, what? And I just kind of ignored him and I kept walking and then I heard like a big rock land behind me. So I had my little butterfly knife. Like I've always carried a little pocket knife. Uh-huh. I had a little butterfly knife in my pocket and I walked up to one of the guy, the, the bigger guy. And I looked at him right now. He's like, do you got a problem? And he's like, and he just stared at me. And I think you could tell that I was just like ready to brawl. He's like, no, no, man. He's like, you know, no, no, no. Like, and it was said something like, oh, we were. We were saying like, damn, dude, you think you're a badass, but yo, now I see you are. And they were like super, like just super cool and submissive. So I felt pretty like, hells yeah, man, I'll take, you know what I mean? I I felt pretty rock and roll. Go home, me and dad hop in the car 
he's blasting kslx the classic rock station the whole way down and you know he's driving like super fast on you know curvy mountain roads where they're you know as curvy and as mountainous as it was which wasn't super and i remember like you know he loved to we were in his little white fiero and he loved to you know pass slow pokes you know one of his favorite expressions driving was like you know if somebody was being too slow or too cautious on a curvy road he would be like scared join a church right, right. and so he was yelling a lot of scared join a church in his car that day and I remember once he went over into the other lane, zipped past these people, but there was this old, this older dude in like a little, I don't know, Volkswagen rabbit or something like kind of struggling up the hill. And dad, you know, was in no danger of like hitting him head on, but the dude got really scared and like pulled over on the side of the road on the freeway. <laughs> so we're just like, you know, had, had a great time, like zipping around in his car down there. Uh, when we checked in, there was this like young woman who checked us in. Her name was Lorena Acevado. I will never forget her because she was so cool. So we're talking. Dad goes up to take a nap. Uh, I went down and I start talking to her, and she's like, "Oh, I'll show you around. I'll, I'll show you around tonight." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And, you know, and it wasn't anything romantic. It was just more like kind of like a big female, kind of like a big sister, but kind of like a yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but mm -hmm. like. There was no, you know, I was 13, she was 21. I had no illusions that anything was going to happen. Right. But like we went out and had dinner. She showed me around. I actually talked her into buying me some snuff at the store. She bought me some snuff. Mm. I came home. Dad wasn't home. He had mentioned that he might go over to the Mexico side because we stayed in uh, Nogales, Arizona, not Nogales, Mexico. Right. So I fall asleep eventually. He's not around. I'm like, okay, he can take care of himself. And I wake up in the middle of the night, like this pounding on the door. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know what a heavy sleeper I am. And he basically kicked the door in because I accidentally left the little chain thing on. Like, you know, instead of him, mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah. I guess, opening it and like being like, hey, wake up, wake up. Come on, undo the thing. Or even going and talking to the front desk like a sane person would have done. <laughs> he kicked in the door. And I was like, oh, sorry, dad. Why didn't you just try to wake me up? And, and he's just like, uh, my, and he was just three sheets to the wind. And he's like, oh, bite the ball back, bitch. And I was like, oh, jeez. So I just like fell right back asleep. Thank goodness. Just kind of wondering like, why isn't security here? Why aren't the cops here? And I was like, well, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. It's his fault anyway. I was just sitting here in bed and I'm friends with the front desk. So they know that, you know. Right they know you know i have an alibi for this broken indoor so the next morning he's still pretty pretty sloshed and he's like okay let's check out now and i was like um are you sure you can drive he's like yeah, yeah, yeah i can drive so he's like but you go check out i was like oh, okay so i went to check out and then lorena happened to be working again that morning and she's like um there was some pounding there was did something happen to your door? And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. No. Did something happen to my door? Like <laughs> you tell me. And she's like, okay. I mean, I think she was, you know, knew basically that it was dad. So we get into the car and I was like, are you sober enough to drive? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start going home, but he realizes pretty quick. He like gets on the freeway 
realizes he's not sober enough to drive on the freeway. So we start going all the way back to Phoenix, like 150 miles away, 100-ish. Like, I don't know how far Nogales is, but something like that, at Mm -hmm. least 100 miles away. Yeah. On the access roads on the side of the freeway. Oh, my God. Right? Uh Uh-huh. And I'm thinking to myself, this is like a bust waiting to happen. Like, it's one thing if you're on an access road for like three, four, five, ten miles but we're going to be on, this, on the access road for the, for the next two days because the speed limit is like 30, 40 miles per hour or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I start getting really worried that like a cop is going to come and take him away. And, you know, I know what that's like to have right. the cops come right. and, t- and take your parent. It, it's not fun. And I was like and there was no rush to go home either. Like so I was like, dad, dad, like, come on, I think you need some coffee. I think you need some coffee. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm also... Yeah, he was just whatever. I mean, he was sober enough to drive technically, but definitely <laughs> not legally. Wow. And I start getting really scared because I, you know, I was thinking like, okay, if I could drive, this would be easily solvable. But, you know, it's a clutch. I'm only 13. I haven't learned to drive yet. So I've talked him into getting some coffee and of course, he made me go in because, you know, it was pretty, he reeked of alcohol and they probably, you know, they would have called the cops. So I got him some coffee. This lady at the counter was super nice. Like, and I wonder to this day if she kind of knows what was going on because, you know, she sees this little white Fiero kind of probably swerving, you know, not driving 100% straight down the access road. This like teenage boy hops out, <laughs> gets coffee for his dad. She's like, you be safe. Okay. And I was like, okay, okay, I will. He drinks his coffee, doesn't quite do the trick. Like, not that I thought it would be insta sober, but I thought he would. I thought, like, just with time, he would, you know, so we sit there, drink coffee, then we get back on the road. And he's not, he doesn't seem any more sober at all than from the second he woke up. And I start getting really scared. And he kept, you know, how he kept, he always kept Roscoe, his name for, he he called every gun Roscoe. Mm -hmm. And he, he kept Roscoe, he kept a, uh, it was a 45, it was a uh, like a Colt 45 semi-auto, like nine rounds in the magazine in in like the little dash spot right there, like right next to the shifter. Right. So I'm thinking that like I might have to commandeer this damn thing because otherwise like either we're both winding up in institutions tonight or we're going to hurt somebody or we're going to like get hurt. So I'm getting really scared and I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like grab the gun and enforce him over at gunpoint and then what and so i start begging i was like dad please like why don't we just pull over to a hotel you can take a nap like aren't you tired and of course you know i i just appeal to his natural sense of tiredness because as you know i'm a huge napper he was a huge napper Mm -hmm. like you know i think it's time for a nap why don't we pull over aren't you getting a little tired and he's like yeah 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 okay so we pull over in tucson just off this, you know, right off the freeway to like a little Motel 6 or something. And he's like, he gives me like 100 bucks in cash or 80 bucks in cash. And he's like, just go up to the hotel clerk and say that your dad needs to take a nap for like five, five or six hours. And I was like, okay, I don't know if that's going to work. Like, I don't have state ID, but I did just as he's, he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Just go there, throw the $80 down, say we're only going to be there for half the day. And I was like, okay. So I go there. You know, at, at at 13, thinking, like, this guy's not going to rent me a room. You know, like, I'm a kid, and I've always looked a little young for my age, so I probably looked, like, 11 or 12 or something. Mm-hmm. So I go in there. The guy kind of looks at me quizzically, 
I throw the 80 or 100 bucks down on the counter in, in 20s. I said, oh, my dad needs to take a nap. We're just going to be here for half the day. Is that okay? And he looks at the cash and he looks at me and he hands me a key. And I was kind of amazed it worked. And I said, okay, dad, let's go. Let's go nap. So I just read a book and I remember, so he, we got in the room, he passed the F out and he was seriously out for three or four hours. Wow. And I was reading this book called Give a Boy a Gun and You Make Him a Man. It was like this true crime book that dad just happened to have laying around in his room that I was reading. And it was about this like guy who got too into D&D and like murdered somebody, whatever. And I just was so super happy, like, whew. Okay, avoided catastrophe in this room, chilling out, drinking Cokes, reading my book. Dad's like snoozing. So, and he woke up and he's like, oh, thanks, son. He's like, I feel a lot better. And I was like, okay, you feel good to drive now? He's like, yeah, thank you, son. Sonny, thank you. So that was it, man. Hmm. And then we drove home and, you know. And Not on the access road, right? Yeah, we drove home <laughs> on the good old freeway where you can nice. be free. Yeah. So that was kind of him at that time in a nutshell. I mm-hmm. mean, so it was super fun. So, I mean, especially for 13-year-old me, it was like, it was more rock and roll. I mean, that's the reason I had asked to live with him because it was like, I didn't want to go shopping. You know, and and I've, his lawyer told him, like, when mom got custody, he said, oh, custody. He said, oh, don't worry. When boys become teenagers, they usually want to live with their dads. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. And exactly what happened to you. So, and, you know, it was even more rock and roll than I thought because I know he liked camping. I know he liked shooting. But, like, I didn't think we were going to have these, like... Crazy adventures. Crazy, yeah. Exactly. So, I was... I mean, overall, like, telling the story, I should be more traumatized, but... Yeah. Like, so, you know, and that's the weird thing. Like, okay, let me ask you. Would you rather that dad was more traditional or would you rather he was kind of like a crazy guy who could be scary sometimes but that you had these like rock and roll adventures do you want to say yeah yeah i think i would want sort of like a mix maybe a little more on the traditional side with like a handful of the crazy things why do you say that just because um like i think i needed you know, I didn't need people to like examine my stool or whatever, but I did need, but I did need people to like tell me to brush my teeth or like make me do my homework, things like that, that I kind of needed like more structure for. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting about that. I meant to mention this. So I got a, um, a friend of ours who's also a listener said, you know, what's really interesting about your podcast is that things hit the different things hit the older brother differently than they hit the younger brother. And sometimes the younger sibling kind of bears more of the brunt. Do you think that's really true? Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that, I guess. Because, you know, I was thinking about some of the, some of the stories we were kind of you know talking about mm-hmm. sharing today. And after I moved back, so, you know, when I was 15, 16, I moved out of the house for almost a solid year. And after I moved back, within about a month or two of moving back, I was old enough to have my learner's permit for my motorcycle. So I had my own wheels. Yeah. But you were, so 
so I was at his mercy for a couple years, but you mm-hmm. were at his because just from being younger, you were you kind of had to deal with the BS longer than I did. Right. So that's what you that's what he meant by that kind of that's yeah, that's what yeah. She, I think I think that's what she meant. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So like what were some of the things that happened that bummed you out about his parenting style? Yeah, one thing and it was pretty shortly after I moved out here. Um I think I was just going into 8th grade and I think it was like during summer break. And like I don't remember exactly what happened, but I was walking around the house barefoot one day. You know, nothing out of the ordinary. And oh. yeah, and I'm just like messing around in the kitchen or whatever. And I'm like, oh shit. And I realized I stepped on something and I thought it was like maybe a piece of glass. But it was this like little toothpick. Cause like, I don't know if you remember, but he would always like use toothpicks. Yeah. And it was like this toothpick and it really hurt. And I pulled it out and told him about it. He's like, ah, it's okay. You'll, you'll get over it. So a couple of days go by and it just keeps like hurting more and more and like getting swollen. And I think if I remember right, there was like a little cyst developing on the bottom of my foot. So I showed him it and finally he makes an appointment at the doctor for me. You know, we go in there, the doctor does something like right there in the office um, mm-hmm. and sends me on my way and just, he, dad kind of gave me a hard time about it for a while. Like he's like, son, is that the hundred that 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 like, dollar foot? Yeah. That's that foot cost me a hundred dollars. Which like, in the scheme of things, a hundred dollars isn't much for a foot. No. Yeah. I was like, well, Dad, yeah, maybe if you didn't leave your tooth, dirty toothpicks lying around, like, it wouldn't have been a $100 foot. And his yeah. whole thing was just that I needed to watch more where I was going. And my thing was like, well, yeah, true, but maybe don't just, like, leave your shit lying all around the place. Like, we've talked yeah. about in an earlier episode. Yeah, don't leave your trash around, and especially, like, your dirty toothpicks. That's, that's not very sanitary. Yeah. Yeah. It did, so did the toothpick, did part of it break off inside? Do you know? Like, I'm I, Yeah. And like, that that's what the doctor did in the office. He like, he like somehow cut into it and like removed it. Right. So, you know, that happened pretty quickly. Um, you know, and another thing kind of around that time was there was this girl at school that I kind of liked and mm-hmm. I told dad about her. I was like, yeah, dad, you know, she invited me to go to church with her family. And, you know, I didn't really have any interest in it, but I kind of was just wanted to go, you know? Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I think she lived a little bit further away. And he's like, well, I don't know how you're going to get there. He's like, well, can you take me? And he went in his big speech about how, like, he doesn't believe in gods and that he's not going to, you know, if I want to go, that's fine. He's not going to do anything to encourage it. And just that kind of bummed me out, you know, like, yeah, I'm not signing up to be like a door to door minister, but just like, give me a ride to go to church. Well, it's really more of a social event anyways. Right. 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 And it's Phoenix, Arizona, where, you know, anything more than I mean, it's not really a city that's made for walking. It's not like San Francisco where, you know, I could walk down to glide in the Tenderloin right now if I really want it or hop the bus. Right. 
So yeah, and, and so you were you were more at his mercy too, just from being younger of like not getting rides, right? Like, didn't you get trapped a few some places? Can you tell me about that? That was later in high school, but yeah, um, like sometimes on the weekend I'd go off to the malls, like either to watch a movie or just go to the arcades or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was one time in particular, and I think I don't think I knew that he had been drinking and so I called him at night I was like hey dad I'm out at Metro Center you know and the last bus to get back just left can you pick me up and he's like no he's like no sorry I'm watching TV right now and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a bottle later so he was gonna oh so he wasn't even drunk yet he didn't know he was just planning on getting drunk that was it just would have like interrupted his like binge plans (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, sorry. So I I called the house again and like spoke to you, and you came out on your motorcycle to get me. Yeah, I remember that. I think I, I, yeah, I drove out to Metro Center or something. Didn't you miss the last bus or something like that? Yeah, no, and that's what I told him too. And he's just like, no, no. Basically, like, and, figure it out, kid. And didn't he, he was also kind of really obsessive about his TV schedule too. Yes. Like, wasn't there one time that he wasn't going to pick you up, or he he said he would pick you up, but then somehow it coincided with, like, the ALF premiere or the ALF season two premiere? What was that? Well, that wasn't about a ride. It was in high school also. Um, and we were, like, at a parent-teacher conference. And usually he was really good about those, and we would go, and, you know, everything would be fine. But this one, yeah, it was like the ALF season two premiere, and that was one of his favorite shows. And I think yeah. like meeting with one of my teachers or a couple of my teachers took a little longer than we expected for whatever reason. And so we were running a little behind schedule. And he's like, son, let's just go. Like, ALF is good. The new ALF is going to start tonight. <laughs> <laughs> let's get our priorities. Let's get our priorities straight. Yeah. And he's like, oh he's gosh. like, sorry, Jesse, we got to We got to get out of here. And like later in life, he sort of like would talk about that and he still thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. And Wait, it is kind of. It is. But, yeah. But kind of. Sad. But kind of not. Kind of sad, too. Yeah. And like. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Just speaking of conferences um, while we're on that topic. Also in high school, like there was a conference after school one day and I don't remember the occasion. But. It was like in the auditorium and Tom Brokaw was the guest speaker, you know, from NBC News back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And I was really excited because like I watched, well, we all watch the news every night mm-hmm. and Tom Brokaw walks up on stage and is like, you know, good evening, North High Mustangs, da 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 da, how are y'all doing or hope y'all are having a great night. And just out of the blue, dad was like mumbling, you know, not super quietly, like, don't tell me to have a fucking good night. I I don't have to have a good night. He's like, he got really mad at Tom Brokaw and made his leave like right then. Yeah, he would get mad about weird things. Like, yeah. I don't like it. Like, I hate it when, like, when you're in an audience and the person on, like, if you're watching a concert and the person on stage makes you clap. Like, I've gotten mad I about that. it. I'm like, yeah. But I'm kind of like, don't tell me what to do. Like, if I want to clap, I'll clap. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, dude, I'm, that, I'm with you. But dad had these really weird things that he would get, like, super mad about. Like, I just don't think he wanted to be told what to do, like, even in the smallest, teeniest way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, I was pretty pretty shocked. I was like, man, who gets mad at Tom Brokaw just for you know telling y'all to have a good night or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Like we invite him into our living room every night. Right? Yeah. Um, and then speaking of parent teacher conferences, he also like loved to kind of shock us and embarrass us. And I think he did it more with you just because you were more embarrassed, embarrassable. Embarrassable, kind of. yeah. Uh, but didn't he say something? Didn't he write a letter to your teacher about his big eight inch telescope and like, oh, you can come see my eight inch? <laughs> Tell me about that. I forget. I forget exactly what the details are. Yeah. So he, dad and some of my teachers have like this weird, like, quasi-romantic things sometimes um and is it because he was a good-looking guy probably you think like a good-looking guy single dad kind of thing well yeah and like my german teacher in high school after one of these conferences actually told me like wow jesse your dad's pretty handsome and kind of like weirded me out it's all in the genes yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the the telescope thing was in middle school um okay I think eighth grade, my science teacher was like, you know, an attractive younger woman and dad, you know, of course, met her at a conference and kind of became smitten. Mm-hmm. And like a couple of days later, he's like, son, I wrote a letter that I want you to give to, I don't even remember her name, but Miss so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, okay. He's like, look at it though first. And it was like, dear Miss so-and-so. I really appreciate what you're doing for Jesse and all the students at um, Edison. And I have this really magnificent, big, red, eight-inch. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, purposely writing so that, like, eight-inch was at the very bottom of the page. And he had, like, he drew, like, an arrow, you know, like how they do to, like, flip the page yeah. over. <laughs> so I this magnificent beautiful big red eight inch and then flip the page telescope at my house if you want to come see it and i was so embarrassing did you get i gave it to her yeah are you kidding but i see because the way he did it it makes it sound like it was a joke that he was playing on you did you so so you're like okay i I don't know maybe i'm inventing this memory but i feel like i gave it to her and what was her reaction did you watch her read it or no no I, if if i gave it to her which i think <laughs> i did i think i just left it on her desk because remember dude oh. at, in eighth grade i was sort of getting in a lot of trouble at edison oh were you yeah and i feel like that might have been something like i'm just kind of like oh screw it like you know i've offended so many people here already how are you offending people oh i mean i don't know i don't want to go down a whole rabbit hole but just um <laughs> no, just big picture. Big we can picture, get just episode. kind of like insulting, like the Pope and religious people in general. Just you know. Do you think you were kind of like mimicking Dad's like, oh, totally. muckraker? Yeah, yeah. Because being the like, Pope came to yeah. Go ahead. No, just being shocking for the sake of being shocking. Because yeah, the Pope had come to Phoenix right around that time, and uh, Dad was sort of talking smack so i was like yeah no i was definitely definitely mimicking him okay yeah and you know i was actually gonna say like as you were telling the story i realized two things one you had more years in school than i did right because you were younger because i went there i went to the eighth grade i went to half of ninth grade and then 
when Easter vacation started in the ninth grade, I just never went back to high school. Yeah. And then I lit, then I, I, I was just kind of living either, you know, on my own or moving back to the house, but working mm-hmm. until I got my GED, like about a month after I turned 17. And then I was in college. So I think you being in school more where like, yes, you need parent teacher conferences. And so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is in a way you did kind of bear the brunt of his whateverness because you kind of had to because you were in school longer do you think that's right yeah definitely and then you know i also like it's funny but like something that also i just kind of or i've been thinking about but i realized again on this podcast Mm -hmm. like this particular episode is you know the story of dad's drinking i don't think of myself as a son of an alcoholic do you no i don't but it's a it's another like kind of it's a bigger character in our story than I thought it would be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. You're right. Because, you know, as we've explained in, in earlier episodes, like he was super unhappy mm-hmm. when he was working at the factory and right. he he drank to excess maybe once a month, once every you know, twice a month, something like that. I mean sometimes every other weekend and then he might go like a month or two yeah. without drinking at all. Yeah. And that was the hard part because it wasn't just like, oh, Friday, Saturday night, dad's drunk. He was like, like unpredictable. Yeah, he could be stone cold sober or he could have finished his like third fifth of, of Smirnoff because he would go through about like two fifths. Or, yeah, right. Two liters a day, two fifths a day. Maybe two fifths. I don't know about two liters. I don't know for sure. I, I, Whatever I, it was, it was a lot. He consumed a lot, a lot of vodka. I'm kind of amazed he never... Like had liver problems or anything? Yeah, or just went coma. I mean, you yeah. had alcohol, alcohol poisoning. poisoning. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, so, you know, and, and, and as far as dad's, you know, some of the good things, I mean, like what I just mentioned. So, you know, I dropped out of high school. He didn't really know until he got a letter from the school... And he said he went in and he talked to the people and he said, look, you're making a big mistake, but, you know, he you're said a smart that to guy. You? Yeah. Okay. He said, you know, they said if, if anything happened, if you get any kind of legal trouble, they'll throw the book at you. So stay out of trouble. And I think he's like, and I hope you'll, you, you'll realize what a big mistake you're making. Um, and basically like left the door open to like. I don't know, going back to school or whatever. Like, basically, it's like, you're making a big mistake. I know I can't really make you do anything. So hopefully you'll realize it sooner rather than later. And then I moved out, was living with some friends, you know, totally living La Vida Loca. Mm-hmm. Uh, La Vida Loca stopped after a while, as it does, when you start owing, owing more money than you can bring in. Uh, and... One day, because of oversleeping, you know, fittingly enough, the electricity got turned off at the house I was staying at. And I kind of vowed, you know, and I could have come home at any time, but I kind of vowed to, like, sit there and somehow get enough cash together to help get the electricity turned back on. So I got a job at the local Jack in the Box. I worked full time. And let me tell you, working full time at, you know, having barely just turned 16 at the local Jack in the Box and seeing kind of what the end of the road really looks like if you don't have an education, Mm -hmm. uh, that was like quite the wake up call. Mm. You know, my manager, I could tell, you know, he was, he was an okay guy. He wasn't like, I could tell like 
I'm just as smart of him, as him, if not smarter. And here he is, like, driving a nice car, driving between things. And it's all because he has a college degree. So I was like, screw this. I'm getting my GED. I'm going to college. And, you know, one of the great things, I don't know if you remember this, but even while I was, you know, living away from home, and I wouldn't say 100% estranged from dad, but definitely, like, it wasn't the high point of our relationship. Um, but, you know, he made it a point to have, a, like, Sunday lunch or Sunday breakfast with me every weekend. Do you remember that? With just you, or do you mean at grandma's? No, just me and him. No. No, yeah, I don't just remember me that. and him okay. would have like lunch at like Denny or de- like a brunch kind of thing at Denny's or whatever. Wow. Like, how you doing, son? So he really went out of his way to stay in some sort of touch with me. And then when I said, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting my GED and maybe moving back and going to college," he didn't like rub it in my face. Like, "Told you so, told you so." He's just like, "I think that's a really good idea, son." Like, and I'm happy to, you know, if you can go to the community college for the first couple of years. I think I can help you out. And wow. that was it. Yeah, so, that's great. I mean, dude, you know, is very, uh, very forgiving and accepting, which is something that I appreciate about very it. Very much. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, so, so we're both parents now. How has being a parent changed how dad, what you think of as dad's parenting? Or, or maybe another way to ask it or answer however you want but another way to ask it is what do you think he what do you take good from what he parented how he parented and what do you reject as far as his parenting style i think what i take good is um something we both talked about just the acceptance and like accepting my kids as they are you know what i mean like loving them unconditionally yeah. Which I know every parent probably says they do, but just like truly like knowing what that means. Um, right. Um, what I take bad is sometimes I do like worry that I have a couple of his tendencies of just like, um, like I wouldn't say I'm free range at all, but just sort of giving in too much, you know, like letting them get away with too much. Mm. What about you? Um, I mean, I think meeting your kids where they're at, trying to understand them as people are things that I got good from him. Uh, you know, I think something that I consciously reject is, you know, especially when I first moved out there, it was more like we were friends then. And I know that, you know, Mm. I've told my wife before, like there was times when I was younger that I wished my dad was more like a parent and less like a friend. Right. So it was great in a lot of ways, but also it was not great in ways Mm -hmm. because when you're that age, you just want, you want somebody reliable. I mean, which he was in a lot of ways, which he was in a lot of ways. Like he was all, he was always very present, Mm -hmm. but maybe not reliable. If that makes sense. Do you mean like emotionally reliable or what? Just like, like, can you come pick me up? Oh, reliable? like, like leg- logistically okay, reliable. Yeah, yeah. But emotionally, he was always present. I mean, even when mm-hmm. he was drunk, he would, mm-hmm. he would, you know, he would totally, he wouldn't, he wasn't like an abusive drunk at all. No. He, if anything, he was kind of like mawkish and he'd be like, son, you know, nothing really matters. It just whatever. He would just get mm-hmm. kind of like mawkish and emotional. Right. He was more like what you, like the stereotypical, like Russian, Russian drunk, like reciting poetry or putting on the Scheherazade album mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, 
as far as things that I've taken not good from him, you know, like I actually think in a lot of ways he's a more he was a more patient person than I am. Like I think I'm mm. impatient. Mm. I don't really feel anything that I've taken bad from him, but there are good things that I wish I had more of. I see. And, you know, I remember towards the end of his life, he said, like, you know, he, he kind of, because I wanted to go to Evergreen State College after a couple of years of community college. And he was like, oh, I can't afford it. And he told me later on, he's like, yeah, I got to say, like, that was kind of one of my big regrets is not, you know, he's like, you know, I now that I'm retired and I see how much money I have in a bank, like I see now that I could have sent you to Evergreen, especially if, you know, we probably would have gotten some financial help mm-hmm. given given my income. And he, but then he said something like, but, you know, you know, you were loved, son, right? And I was like, yeah, I do. And that sounds not huge, but it actually is very huge, like to have your kids know that, like, I never doubted for a second. I was just going to say that, yeah. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Um, when you moved out here, did he <laughs> did he tell you ahead of time that he's not going to like baby you or do baby talk to you? No. I do that to you? You know, one of the first times I was out here, like, or not one of the first times, but like pretty soon after I moved here, and his girlfriend Sherry was with him. And I'd woken up from a nap on the couch. And this is all kind of random. I'm sorry. But no, it's okay. I had woken up from a nap on the couch and they were in there. He's like, yeah, Jesse, just so you know, like, I'm not going to baby you. I'm not going to do baby talk. And in my head, I was kind of thinking like, what the hell, motherfucker? Like, I don't want you to <laughs> do some weird ass baby talk or baby me. Like, I don't, I always meant to like ask him again, like what he meant by that. And was, was he like. Were you like ask like like were you like oh I want to go to bed by now no, or were you just like just, sleeping on the couch I was just it was like like I said it was just like really spontaneous and for no reason like maybe uh. the only thing I can think is maybe his girlfriend had like warned him not to coddle us or something I don't know or sense that like in her opinion I was coddled I, I really don't know but it's kind of funny and kind of weird yeah that is kind of funny and kind of weird. So is there anything else or should we wrap this puppy up? Um, I think, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for taking another trip down memory lane on the Two Brothers, One Dad Dead podcast. Thanks, J-Bear. Thanks, Robbie J. Oh, oh, oh.